Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Bilstadt, I'm a little bit confused about this latest flap involving Governor Tony Evers, who, as part of his inaugural address, bemoaned the lack of civility that that we have in politics nowadays, talking about Wisconsin values, kindness and respect, empathy, compassion, integrity, civility. That, That was all the inauguration thing. So he's hacked off that the Republicans in the state Senate did not confirm the guy that he wanted to have run the Department of, mm. of Agriculture. So um, first, he was quoted as describing uh, the move as absolute horse hockey, although he did not say <laughs> horse hockey. He said a word that I, that I cannot say. Right, but I, we, I, I know if I say that word, that Mr. Mm-hmm. Let's Promote Civility, if I know if I say that word, I'm, I'm in meetings. Okay, so then... He goes on and he's giving a he's having a conversation with staffers at the Department of Agriculture, and he describes he describes the move by the Senate Republicans exercising their advice and advice and consent function. He describes it as quote that's how we're, we're reporting this right we're, we're putting it in quotes amoral and stupid. We can't let the bastards keep us from doing our good work. That's apparently what he says. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is now reported and it's public, and the governor's, Mr. Civility's response to that is? He says that he wasn't referring to Republicans when he used that word. So he was in Wisconsin Dells today signing a bill, and reporters asked him about it, as you would expect. He says uh, he wasn't referring to Republican lawmakers when he told the state ag department workers last week not to let the bastards keep them from doing their job. He noted the phrase he invoked, don't let the bastards grind you down, was well known and used throughout history, <laughs> including in World War II. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of things that people said in World War II, a lot of things that the soldiers said, <laughs> you know, that, that 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 just because they said it doesn't mean that it's you know going to be promoting civilians. It's a well-known phrase. We used to always say, let's kill the blankety-blanks. You know, okay, so you're, you're laughing. <laughs> but, yeah. I understand where you're going. I'm just I'm just, just saying. No, I mean, I look, I, I have no problems if one-term Tony wants to, you know, let, let's, I mean, if he wants to talk tough, that, that, that's great. This is horse hockey. This is, you know, we're, we're not going to let the so-and-sos do this. This is amoral. It's stupid. Oh, okay, if he wants to get his dander up, that's fine, but let's... Let's not pretend it's anything. Oh, they used to say this in World War II, so, you know, it's it's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So there, what, do you, what do you say? You got nothing else. Saying, I got right? nothing. You, got, you, you got nothing else. This, and again, the irony is that it's it's this is the guy that stood up a couple months ago and talked about how we need to get civility and stuff back. And, you know, he come turns out to be our version of Donald Trump, except not quite as clever. Now, and let, I understand what you're saying. In his defense, this wasn't said at a podium or to a reporter. It was said to 
workers, right? So does that change at all? Is the fact that it was not said no. in a... No. Oh, and don't get me you wrong. Know what I mean? I, I like don't care. That... If he wants to call the Republicans in the legislature stuff, I could care less. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I, I'm sure... Both sides say a lot worse things about oh, okay, the other right. side, you know, when they're sitting in water holes in the Capitol. I, 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 I care less. You want to call them blankety blanks? Go ahead and call them blankety blanks. I just think the irony is this is we're, we're talking about, oh, civility and we have to be kinder and gentler and all that crap, you know, a couple months ago at the inauguration and they turned down his guy and now he's, that's, that's my only I point about that. the thing. All right. Did you see your, you know, a couple weeks ago they, they took pictures of all of us? Oh yeah, they, yeah, they, we they, had our picture. Photo shoot. Yeah. Well, okay, they 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 have them back now, and and we have all the pictures. Did you see the ones of you? No. Why did you look at them? Are they any good? No, I didn't look at the ones of you. <laughs> I looked at the one. There, there's ones of me, which okay. actually the photographer did a really really good job. Made oh, made me look good, which is a very very difficult thing. And they have a number of photos of. They took several of of Gru and I together. Okay. You nice. know, for you and and those. With the with the caveat of one picture that I'm going to discuss, they they all turned out really great. They're, your your headshot crew is very very good. The pictures of the two of us in general are very very good. Except there's one picture with me. You know we're, we're kind of like posed together, and that they have I have my elbow like on his shoulder, oh, and yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the camera, and he's looking at my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't now your theory grew is what that that was what was your theory on that yeah we said we said something funny i'm laughing my head was down and the timing was a little <laughs> off <laughs> it, 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 no, these are these are really really great photos except that one i'm going huh <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to be putting that one up on the wall i, uh, I don't you, think you put it yeah. up on twitter though right <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly that, but they, but it, it turned out well. They, they were all they were all kind of great. But I'm looking through that, going, huh? That's sort of an interesting one there. But otherwise, all great. You should check out yours. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. Uh, that's it. Okay, I I, I get distracted. Um, it's going to get a little bit warmer. Like I say today, if if I was driving last night as I was talking to Steve, uh, the, the this shows what's going on with the cold. My tire pressure low light comes on go into the dealer today just to have them put some air in the thing and there's there's one car after another after another everybody there with the same sort of thing so if you are in that boat do not feel bad this um, early onset of winter i think has caught a lot of people's um tires and cars by surprise all right we have a fast-paced program today we're going to move through a lot of stuff i know the big story today is impeachment we will talk a little bit about that I say a little because, well, I'll share my theory and explain why I think it's only worth, at least at this point in time, a little bit of conversation. I want to start, though, with a story from a world of sports and a world from public entertainment. And I'm curious as to your reaction. One of the, if you haven't seen it, the NFL has just announced that the next Packers game, and the Packers are off this weekend, the next game is Sunday, November 24th. They play the San Francisco 49ers. And it's a, it's a big game. They play in San Francisco. San Francisco has the best record in the national, in the NFC. The Packers have like the second best record in the NFC. So it, it's a, it's a big game for potential playoff seedings and home field advantage and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be obviously the marquee game probably of the weekend. The game was originally scheduled to be played 
our time, like 3.30 in the afternoon. It's in San Francisco, so it was going to be a late Sunday afternoon game. It wasn't the noon game, but it was going to be at 3.30. The league announced yesterday that they were moving the game time. They call it flexing it. So instead of being at 3.30 in the afternoon, they move it to Sunday night. Now, why do they do this? They do this because... The NFL, God bless them, is all about television. It's all about television ratings. And they figure that, okay, you've got this premier game. You've got teams that are 8-2. and two, And right now I think the 49ers are 8-1 and one, and they play this weekend. You know, this will be a matchup of the top two teams or two of the top three teams in the NFC. People are going to watch this, and we'd rather have the game at night where potentially more people will view it. So they've moved the game to at night. It's going to be 7.30 or whatever. Now, the folks at NBC love this because, especially NBC here, our friends and colleagues at Channel 4, because you know they, they get the game and they get that, that ratings boost, boost. At the same time, for people who had plans, Packer party plans, etc., maybe you go to a watering hole with your buddies to watch the games, etc., etc., maybe that's how you spend your Sunday afternoons. It's a different dynamic. For example, for me, Packers, if they're playing at noon, even if they're playing at 3 o'clock, I have some friends, and it's not unusual for me to go meet them in a watering hole and watch the game. The Sunday night games, it's a different experience because they end late. I, I'm not going out. I'm not going out to bars. I'm not going to restaurants. I'm going to be watching it at home. And candidly, candidly, I prefer the games when they are in the afternoon. So I get all the rating stuff, but just on a personal level, I'm bummed out that they move the game to Sunday night. I would have much rather had it Sunday afternoon. And I was sharing this with some acquaintances yesterday, and we had kind of a spirited discussion on this. One segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, it really doesn't affect us here at, at WTMJ Radio. It just means, you know, we, we shuffle the schedule around a, a little bit. Um, but from the people who who want to partake of the game, whether it's watching it on television or listening it on the rate to it on the radio, would you rather have the game be on a Sunday afternoon, either at noon or, I mean, obviously at this case it was going to be three because they're playing in San Francisco, or are you happy that it's gotten moved to Sunday night? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And this is your opportunity to be selfish, because that's what I'm asking. It's what do you prefer? I understand it's a marquee matchup. I understand they're trying to get eyeballs. I understand that it's good for the Packers to get national exposure. I'm just saying it kind of screws up the way I like to watch the Packers games. I would much rather have a Sunday afternoon game. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I know there's nothing magic that says, well, Jeff, you, you, you can't hook up with your buddies in a bar, but I got to work on Monday. And, you know, I, I, I could do that. It's just a lot easier for me to do that at noon than it would be to go watch a game that starts at 720 and isn't going to end till 11. All right. We have touched a nerve. This is purely a matter of personal preference. Let's start with Tim in Grafton. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, good afternoon. I, I personally like the 325 games because personal preference, that means I go grocery shopping or whatever right. I need to do, you know, still get home by 2 o'clock, sit down, relax, have a little lunch, and I got the game coming on. I understand why the league does it. It's sure. all about revenue. They don't get to be $10 billion a year for nothing, Jeff. So, sure. Right. Um, but personally, I, I, you would rather have it, you, you would have preferred it to stay at 330. 
Be correct, because I, for the first time I was telling your screener, I was going to go to my boss's house, my owner of my company, and watch the game for the first time. We've been planning this, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it got bumped to 720. He called me last night and said, Timmy, you're out. Yeah, yeah, that, no, it, it, right, no, th- got it, no, th- thanks to call, no, and, and I understand, see, now, I will tell you, my personal preference is the noon games, and, and I, because, I, again, you know, I, I'll go, I'll meet, I'll, I'll meet some of my friends, we'll be at the watering hole, you know, and you, you watch the game, and I'm, I'm home by 3.15, getting ready to do other stuff, I, I like the noon games on Sunday, it is purely a matter of personal preference, we continue the conversation in a moment, if you're on the line, please hold on, this is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, a number of people correctly make the point that last Sunday's game um, was originally scheduled to be a noon game. They, they bounced it back to 3.30 for television purposes, and that undoubtedly contributed. Now, the league didn't know that, but the later start contributed to lots of people leaving later. You got home later, and, of course, we all know what a mess the roads were, you know, once the weather set in. That, that's why I... I mean, I just, I, I don't like, I don't like the late afternoon games, and I certainly don't like the night games if I'm going to be attending. But even from a watching perspective, I, I'd rather, I'd rather have it at noon. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're in WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and it's very selfish of me. But oh, you could be selfish. selfish. That, that's the that was the question. You get to be selfish, okay? For me and probably four hundred thousand other guys. Because it's opening weekend of deer season. We can hunt or close now on Sunday and then watch the game after we get back from the woods. And we are talking the other day, if the Packers ever had a way to do that, that they could say, NFL, we want that Sunday night game of that week, I think they'd really get a lot more attendance because we'd have a lot of guys mm-hmm. sitting in bars drinking beer and doing all sorts of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So this does coincide. So what you're saying is that you know you can you can be you can be deer hunting and you're still going to have an opportunity. Then you're you're not going to have to. If it was a noon game, you'd have to get out of the stand earlier and go back to watch the game or right. decide and to stay hunting. Three twenty-five one, you'd have to get out. But this way, you get back and get dinner made and sit down and watch the Packers. Good enough. Okay. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Randy in Milwaukee. Randy, you're in WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Randy. I wanted to, uh, say you said be selfish. And so, sure. um, I prefer the night and evening games because as somebody who's heavily involved in retail and small business in Milwaukee, when there's an evening game, people still come out and shop all weekend long. When there's an afternoon game, <laughs> it's dead. Stores are dead and people might as well, uh, all be at home. Right. And, and unless you're in the, in like the tavern or the restaurant business, in which case the places are packed. But otherwise, it, it's like you just, just shut down the store if you're selling TVs or appliances or clothing or something like that, huh? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's fair. Thanks. Except, I will tell you this: I um I I know I know people in my life, um, women in my life over the years who just that's when they shopped. You know, they they would go out. They say because to exactly to Randy's point, the stores are pretty much empty. You know, if you want to have your choice and not be jostled by crowds, go when the Packers are playing. Now, of course. That that's not an option for guys like me who are going to be sitting there watching the uh, game. Kevin and Racine. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Uh, yeah, I worked for a major potato chip company for 31 years, and uh, as far as revenue is concerned, we sold so much at a noon game, and then it would start to fall off a little bit after a 3 o'clock game and fell down uh, almost mm-hmm. nothing at the uh, 7 o'clock game. 
So what, yeah, why do you think that? Why do you think that was or is? I think there was more house parties going on at noon. It's earlier in the day. People mm-hmm. get together, you know. And uh, I think uh, as uh, time went on later in the day, that it kind of fell off, and yeah. people, uh, you know, they go to house parties, you know, especially at seven o'clock on a on a Sunday night where you got to go to be, be at work the next day. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, and that, as that's as, yeah. as far as me late at night. I can't stay up that late. Anymore, <laughs> I have this other job I have to get up for after I retire. You know, you know Kevin, it's interesting. I, I have about a half, I've got a ton of texts, but I've got about four or five that all say, yeah, we, we get tired and, you know, we're, 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 we're struggling. Even if it's a great game, we're struggling to stay awake and, uh, by the time the third quarter rolls around. No, thank, I get it. And that, that's why this is purely a matter of personal perspective. I, I'm not railing at the NFL for doing this. I understand exactly why they do it. It's the marquee game. You've got the biggest chance for the best ratings. I get it. It's just, Still, for me, my routine is I, I like the noon games the best. John in Greenfield. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Greg, thanks for taking my Hi, call. Hi, John. I, I agree with that last caller. I'm heading to uh, Fort Myers Beach for the holidays, and uh, the game doesn't start till almost 8.30 at night. I yeah. mean, the worst place in the world to watch sports is on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is so late, and... Uh, yeah. Exactly what he just said. There's a, a place in Fort Myers Beach called uh, Salty Sam's Marina, and um, it's known as uh, Lambo South. Okay. Um, noon games, you can't get near the place. You better be there an hour and a half before. Um, right. 30 games, it's about half full, and I can almost guarantee you that on Sunday night it'll be empty. Well, because people have to work. No, thanks for call. Again, it's just purely a matter of preference. I understand it, but but give me the noon games. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We're going to talk about the impeachment hearings right after the 1 o'clock news. And I I understand that there's some people who just can't get enough of that and are just transfixed by all of that stuff. I just don't happen to be one of them. And like I say, I I understand it's an issue to discuss. But to me, I, I am not... Enthralled. These are not the Watergate hearings. You, I don't know that we're plowing any sort of new ground. I think we all understand what happened, and everybody has the interpretations of it. And candidly, I the, the whole hearings, I mean, I understand why we're going through this and the politics of it, but I'm not going to spend three hours a day, five days a week, talking about what I think is pretty much a preordained result. But we will discuss that. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 kind of went on a tweet storm. I went on my own version of Donald Trump's tweet storm yesterday um, and just said there was a number of interesting things that actually I saw yesterday evening. Uh, Bayshore Shopping Center, you know, the Bayshore Town Center. Uh, really, seriously, will, will the last business to leave there please remember to turn out the lights? O- over the last several months, you've had business after business after business close. And I understand they've got these plans to try to revitalize it. I, I just wonder whether there's going to be anything left. Uh, the news yesterday, or two days ago actually, was that one of the one of the remaining restaurants, like actual sit-down restaurants that's not called the Cheesecake Factory, Devon Seafood and Steak, which had been there for, you know, since it really became Bayshore Town Center, they closed with, like, no notice. Um, they called the employees in, I think, on Tuesday and said, this is it, we're we're done. So Devon's is closed, and Home Grill was closed, and the Applebee's there was, was closed. I understand why the Applebee's closed. I talked about that before. But, you know, there's, there's like, almost nothing that's there anymore, and you wonder where that's going to, where, you know, where the new businesses are going to come from but in any event I, I sent out a link to that particular story then a number of other stories that we're going to be discussing as well including I, I want to 
I want to give a shout out to some people in, in Waukesha for refusing to take no for an answer. Now, even though even though I'm on the other side of the issue long term, I, I appreciate your dedication. A couple months ago, they announced uh, that the county executive announced that Wanaki Golf Course on, on Silver Spring w- was going to be closing. The it, This is one of the three Waukesha County public golf courses, and it has been hemorrhaging money for, for years. That That's just the reality. I, I, I Look, I, I think I'm a golfer, so I, I love golf courses and all. The problem, of course, is that this golf course, it doesn't have enough play. It's right down the street from Silver Spring Golf Course, which is a, a semi-private course. So you've got that competition. And, and I guess at some point in time, do I think that public golf courses need to be self-sufficient, meaning that can they get no contributions from the county? Not necessarily. But there's a ton of golf courses, semi-private golf courses that are available for people to play. And it's not like if they close this particular course, it's not like there weren't places for people to go. At the same time, I understand that people are passionate about their, their golf course. So anyhow, I mean, Wanaki's been ham- just hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. And so the county was saying, look, we just don't think that we can sustain this. You had a number of people who were, were playing saying, look, that this is premature. You know, we, we, we love this. And I understand why they love it. But, you know, there's all sorts of things you love. That doesn't necessarily mean they're financially self-supporting. In any event, the Waukesha County Board of Supervisors passed their new budget. And what they did is they said, OK, here's what we're going to do. We will keep Wanaki open for one more year that that's the deal and and during that year what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to see if there are private operators out there that might be willing to come in and um you know purchase you know the golf course and and run it as a golf course so you know we're going to give them another year and i again i long term i just don't think it's sustainable long term i i think if there's somebody else out there that thinks that they can do a better job and can can run it and can make money, go with God. And and from the golfer's perspective, I, I hope that's the case. My guess is, you know, a year from now, we're going to be pretty much in the same situation. But, you know, I give the Board of Supervisors credit. They listen to a small but passionate group of golfers who said, look, let, let's give us another year. So they're giving it another year. And so that's good for the golfers. I, I wish them all the best. Hope they have a record year. Hope they can find somebody else to keep it open. My guess is long term, it's probably not going to be sustainable. And it's certainly not sustainable as a county operated golf course. But I, I give the people credit for, you know, saying for everybody says you can't fight City Hall. The golfers at Wanaki, they fought City Hall and they, you know, won at least a temporary reprieve. And I, I think I think that that's great all around. I credit the Board of Supervisors for saying, OK, well, we'll we'll give everybody one more year at this and we'll see if we can make it work. That's all good. All right. Sent out a tweet with a picture of the sign. And again, if you want to see it, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Here's the deal. It's Arby's. All right, Arby's, you know, what's what's their slogan? They're known for the slogan, we have the meats. All right, well, here is the deal. There is There was an Arby's restaurant, Arby's restaurant in Elk River, Minnesota, okay? On the door to the Arby's, there was a sign. Here's what the sign said. Only well-behaved children 
who can keep their food on their trays and the, their bottoms on their seats are welcome. If you can't do this, you will be asked to leave. Thanks. The sign again, only well-behaved children who can keep their food on their trays and their bottoms on their seat are welcome. If you can't do this, you will be asked to leave. Thanks. So some lady sees this sign and becomes offended because you know, she's got a two-year-old. She says, but, you know, I, I read the sign and it, it didn't sit well with me. You know, how dare you, now I'm paraphrasing a little bit, how dare you tell people that their children have to be, you know, well, well behaved. I mean, uh, sometimes my toddler stands up. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I just can't necessarily control him. If you've got a problem with my kid acting up, well, then you should be able to come over and tell me. But we don't need a sign like that. So they put the sign up. It gets some public attention. And then Arby's management, like the, the people that own the Arby's, the company, they hear this. And they immediately apologize for the sign. We we recognize the language on this sign was insensitive. We ordered it removed quickly. We have disciplined the manager and team working at the restaurant. It does not reflect our company's values and the family-friendly environment we aim to provide in our restaurants. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think... The Arby's ownership is way off base with this. I don't think there's anything wrong with the sign, and I don't think that they should have certainly apologized for putting up a sign there saying, okay, look, bottom line is, you know, if the kids are going to be here, we expect them to be well-behaved. Is that something that they needed to apologize for? My answer would be no, and candidly, I mean, I don't know about you, and I understand that going to restaurants with children is troubling sometimes, but even though it's an Arby's, I don't think there's anything wrong with an Arby's franchise owner trying to say, look, you know, we we expect people to be behaved, kids to be under control when they're in the restaurant. Is that unreasonable, and is it something they should apologize for? My answer would be no, but obviously the people that own the Arby's company disagree. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff, I'm all for the sign. I think Arby should not have backed down. They should have been like the Toms driving in Appleton with teenagers and not back down. Casey in Watertown text, maybe Mayfair Mall should use this sign. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Let's start with Anthony in Watertown. Anthony, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Okay, the Arby's the, the company itself ripped on the management and the manager of this store for putting up this sign. What do you think? Well, I don't think management uh, did anything wrong. The corporate doesn't understand a lot of things on this. One of this being, like, this time of year, I have a business. I have to constantly tell uh, parents to tell their kids or tell the kids that don't stand on don't stand on the, the chair. Yeah, yeah. The floor. This time of year, clearly there's a reason for that. The other thing is, you remember how we learned how to behave? Our parents took us out places, taught us how to behave in public. That's what this is. Well, well, right, exactly. Now, obviously, 
there was something that that inspired this sign. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I imagine that sign's not talking about every kid that comes in. If your kid has a meltdown in the middle of something, that's something you deal with. But it's probably more directed at uh, a group of parents, maybe right. that, that frequented on an, uh, a, a yeah. basis and misbehave in a way that causes a lot of pickup. I mean, you go to places. Do you want to come in and well, deal with? That as you sit down and go, my God, what was here last? Well, right. Or, or do you want to be sitting down there and you have like the screaming kids? And I understand it's not a fine dining restaurant, but I mean, I, I guess from my perspective, and, and I'd come at this, I did not have children myself, but you know, the only well-behaved children who can keep their food on their trays and their bottoms on their seats are, are welcome. If you can't do this, you'll be asked to leave. I guess I don't think that that's that unreasonable sort of thing. We don't want you throwing food and we don't want you running through the restaurant. I, I I guess I don't think that that's unreasonable, and if I saw that, I don't think I would be offended by it. I think it's a reasonable request. No, and I believe if that lady had contacted the guy and talked to them, maybe they could work something out and understand. But uh, what do people do nowadays? I want to post my my my. Discussion. I want to go. I want to go to the TV station. I want my fifteen minutes of fame. I, I want to try to shame this particular Arby's franchise. There's a lot of things not helping in that. Got it. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Warren in Bristol. Hi, Warren. You're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, I think that they're way off base too at the corporate office. If I was the franchise owner, I would have complied with their demand because obviously they would have the power to probably sanction me worse but i would then bump up all of my kids meal prices <laughs> and just put a sign up saying we're sorry for the increase in prices but in order to maintain a clean and comfortable restaurant we were forced to do this yeah yeah I- I- exactly and, and and or at least do something with that no thanks see that again it's when did it become we live in this culture where everybody is offended by everything and i guess see the way i interpret this sign it's essentially saying parents if you are bringing small children into this place you know we expect you to keep them under control all right now now it didn't say we expect you to keep them under control they 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 said we expect them to be able to keep their food on their trays and their seats on their their bottoms on their seats okay but that that's saying the same thing you could actually argue that that's saying it in a nicer way than I just said it. Hey, if you bring your kids in here, we expect you to keep them under control. But I, have we really gotten to the point where you need to apologize? You need to be told to apologize to people for, for setting that particular rule? And again, like I say, I'm sure that this didn't come out of the clear blue. Obviously, they had issues which necessitated putting that sign up there. Let's talk to Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ. I agree with the sign to a point, but uh, have you ever had a one-year-old or two-year-old be able to keep all their food on their tray? Yeah. It always ends up on the floor. Yeah. Uh, if I saw that sign when I walked in there, I have two well-behaved kids, I believe. I mean, they don't run around the store, and they don't uh, create any huge messes just underneath their tray. I'd just say it's not a kid-friendly place and wouldn't go there. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, and I'm sure they, by putting that sign up there, I'm sure they recognize that they're, they're, they might be turning off some customers. Obviously, there's this calculation that, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to lose some customers, but maybe we'll gain more because it'll be more pleasant experience because the people that can't control their kids are, aren't going to be coming in there. So, I mean, well, there is a risk. RV, I could see RV's management saying or, or corporate saying, hey, 
we're trying to equate to everyone, not just uh, uh, people without kids. We're trying to equate the family environment. You can't have a family restaurant and not have kids. Well, yeah, but at the same time, they're not saying don't bring kids in. They're they're saying if you bring kids in, we we want you to keep the kids under control. I mean, you know, but, but but can you keep a one year old to keep their food on their plate? I mean, I'd be afraid to be at, I'd be kicked out if I saw that sign. Well, I wouldn't go in there. No, I get it. I mean, thanks. I, I mean, and I get it. And, and some people would would do that. I, I mean, I nobody, as far as I know. There's not complaints about them enforcing this rule in an unfair fashion. I mean, as, as far as I know, I don't know that they even kicked anybody out. This woman who complained about this was just offended by the sign. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you actually have to do, how bad the kid has to be to get kicked out. And if you're saying you've got a toddler that's sitting in a high chair and they drop a French fry or something on the floor, I, I don't think that that's really the problem that they're they're addressing. That's just my sense. My guess is they're probably a lot more concerned with the kids who are throwing food or the kids who are more likely, you know, running around while mom and dad sit and have their coffee or their burger or whatever, and the kids are just running around, you know, through the whole restaurant disturbing other people. That, I would think, would be the, what they're really trying to go after. Let's talk to Al and Racine. Al, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing? Hi, Al. I'm a former teacher. I'm retired, and uh, the, the same kids that uh, you're talking about messing up the restaurant or being out of control in the restaurant are the same kids that are out of control in the school. <laughs> I'll bet. And, uh, you know, we were just at a restaurant uh, this past weekend, and there was one table where the kids were just sitting, and they were about maybe five years old, six years old, and started screaming at each other. And I don't think as a, as a patron to a, a restaurant, you know, that I ought to have to put up with somebody else's guff and have their kids, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, and I understand it. And now you don't. I mean, some people might say, "Oh, that Jeff and Al, that they sound like these, you know, grumpy old get off my lawn guys." No, that's not it. You're you're sitting there eating, and you don't want somebody else's toddler, your five year old, screaming and running around the restaurant. You know, it's you, you want them sitting down and eating. It's a restaurant, even if it's a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Well, several years ago, we were at Roches, and uh, we got there early, and and. Uh, we were seated next to a table with about three kids, and they started throwing uh, throwing ice cubes at each other. And uh, I went up to the maitre d at the time, and I says, "You know, either the, you control these kids, or somebody control them, or we're leaving." And uh, they actually did. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, good, good, good for them. No, thanks. For, see, good. And, and again, I, I, I'm not anti-kid. I'm, I, I'm not. At all. And I understand that there's a difference between an Arby's and a fine dining places like, you know, the former Carl Roches or something like that. But still, I think, you know, if you're going to take kids to, you know, regardless of what type of restaurant it is, there's some, you know, sort of basic rules of behavior. But even apart from that, even if you disagree with me on that, you know, doesn't the franchise owner have a right to say, okay, we've got certain standards that we want to enforce? Just ask it. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. One final text on what we were talking about in the last part of the hour. I feel like a Scrooge here. I went to a mini bowling place on Saturday, 5 p.m. There were probably 20 kids in four or five groups. It was chaos. Kids running everywhere, bowling on the wrong lanes, grabbing and running around with balls, soda spilling. 
spilled all over the floor. The kids ranged from probably three to eight years old. Parents weren't watching the kids and were just letting them, quote unquote, have fun. I personally won't go back to the place. I thought the place was for adults since, adults, since it's a bar mini bowl. I wasn't trying to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I guess that's kind of that's sort of the point that I have. I think restaurants should be able to say, oh, if you're going to bring kids here, we expect you to control them not have to apologize for that all right there is an impeachment hearing going on i understand that there's some of you that just can't get enough of that but candidly i don't think there's that many here i am old enough to remember the watergate hearings i was i was always kind of an old soul and i was one of those kind of nerdy kids that was really into like politics and public policy and news and things like that even when i was like in grade school and high school and i can remember the Watergate hearings in probably 73 and 74. And and I can remember how transfixed America was when you'd have, for example, at the time, you know, former White House counsel John Dean, who gave this riveting testimony about how he, you know, he went in and he told the president that there was a cancer on the presidency and he disclosed stuff that, that the people hadn't heard. That, that, you know, we didn't know any of these sort of details. And he talked about his conversations with Richard Nixon, you know, in, in the White House. And he talked about his reaction. And, and this was, this was news. And it, there was great drama that was out there because people were learning things about, you know, Watergate and about the Watergate break-in and things of the like that, that they didn't know. And you were dealing with the question of, did the president ob- obstruct justice? Did he know, um, that, there was a burglary that had been conducted. Did he know that it was sanctioned at the highest levels of the, the White House? And then did he participate immediately afterwards in, in this kind of cover-up? But it, it was riveting because you found out stuff. And I remember the day where the White House security guy testified that there, there, there were listening devices there, that there were tapes of a lot of these conversations. People, people didn't know that. So now it wasn't just, a, you know, he said, she said. I mean, there were actual tapes of the president. It, it was riveting theater. And it, it did swing public opinion because of new facts emerging. And I mean facts. I don't mean opinions. I mean new facts emerging, which caused people to believe that, well, gee, you know, President President Nixon had been lying to the American public. And in fact, he had been told who was involved with the Watergate break-in, you know, immediately after the break-in. And he had been, you know, part of a group orchestrating a cover-up and talking about how you could try to raise money for the co-conspirators. And and so that was, it was riveting. And and people were paying attention to that. Then, of course, I remember the, the Bill Clinton thing and the bill clinton impeachment process where he was impeached by the house but not convicted by the senate something that that boomerang badly in my opinion on the republicans because impeachment at its heart is it is a political i mean a, a political thing uh, i mean bill clinton perjured himself i mean he perjured himself in connection with you know denying his relationship with monica Lewinsky. but from a political perspective the american public decided that All right, that wasn't something that you remove a president for, that it really didn't have anything to do with the election. I think you can argue that Bill Clinton 
maybe in a second term, came out a little bit stronger at the end because of, of the backlash. So you have the impeachment process, the impeachment hearings starting today. And, you know, you've got wall-to-wall coverage on a number of the TV stations. I'm looking at um, NBC and CNN and MSNBC, and, and they're, you know, you're, you're hearing testimony from people in connection with this. Unlike Watergate, and more like, I think, perhaps the Clinton process, I do not believe most people are interested in, in a meaningful fashion, to this particular process. Because I think people understand that it's not going to go anywhere, and I don't think there's going to be any sort of new dramatic testimony. I I mean, we we all understand what's happening here. Okay, President Trump... You know, has this phone call with the new Ukrainian leader, and he says, "Hey, I, I want, I'm, I'm looking for a favor, and you know what, I, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to investigate, you know, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's kid in connection with these fraud things that have been out there." Okay, we we all understand that, and that's pretty much as far as it goes. We also understand that there was, for a period of time, you know, President Trump who didn't like the Ukrainian government withheld foreign aid to the government for a while, and then ultimately they released it. We understand that a lot of the bureaucrats in the government didn't think that that was a good policy. They thought that this was a dumb thing to do, that Ukraine deserved the support. So, you know, they didn't support the Trump thing, and they were concerned about, you know, Trump and his obsession with the Ukraine investigating the Bidens. All right, so we we all understand that that ended up happening. At the end of the day, there was no investigation of the Bidens, and the money was released. So, you know, we, we can have six weeks of hearings. And we can have people testify about they thought that President Trump was being short-sighted or venal or didn't like the Ukrainians and and he's on the wrong side of that issue because they're fighting the Russians, all of which are perhaps valid points. But at the end of the day, I I continue to believe that these hearings are going nowhere. Will, on a party-line basis, most Democrats vote to impeach him? Yes, they will. Will there be some dramatic smoking gun that comes out? I highly doubt it. Because I think pretty much everything that's out there it is out there. And I don't know what else that smoking gun would be. Will the Senate remove him? No, they're, they're not going to remove him. Because I think at the end of the day, most Republicans, maybe all, but most Republicans are going to say, look, this is just an effort to overturn the 2016 election. Because, uh, again, well, I mean, I kind of like the way Nikki Haley, who's got a book coming out, I kind of like the way she talked about this. She said, look. I don't think it's a good practice for a president to ask a foreign country to investigate an American, period, which, by the way, I agree with. She says it's a path you don't want to go down. I agree with that as well. And she also says, I mean, did the president make the ask? Yes. Did Ukraine go through with the investigation? No. Did the president hold the money? No. He released it anyways. So even though this is not the best practice, none of it panned out. Where is the impeachable offense? And I think that's where the majority of the Senate is going to be. If you hate Donald Trump, you're not going to be satisfied with that. If you love President Trump, you're not even going to like the fact that some of us think that making this ask wasn't the best process. But there you have it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
All right, on a scale of 1 to 10, how interested are you in the start of the impeachment hearings? Is this, because I'm going to tell you something, you know, during Watergate, this this was must-watch television. Everybody was watching it. Is this going to be the case for these hearings? My answer is no, because I, I think the results are pretty much predetermined, and I think people's feelings, absent some huge surprise, dramatic piece of testimony that I don't think you're going to find, I, I think most people, their opinion of this, it's, it's already baked in, and people are going to ultimately render the verdict on the Trump presidency next November when they go to vote. 414-799-1620. All right, 1 to 10. 10 being, I cannot get enough of it. I have been waiting for this. My eyeballs have been glued to the TV set, and I'm listening to the radio to hear what people want to say about this because I, I can't get enough of this. That's a 10. And a 1 being, eh, are, are they preempting the soap operas? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I want to pull back the curtain here for a minute because I'm getting get a couple texts from people who are saying, first hour, what, what do you, you started off talking about the Packers and then you're talking about some some restaurant in Minnesota that's put up this sign, you know, saying that parents have to watch their kids. Don't you realize that there is impeachment going on? This this is what people need to ha- hear. And of course, my reaction to that has been, now I, I, I really, I think most people don't have much interest in this. This isn't the Watergate hearings. I think people, again, right or wrong, it's all kind of baked in, and I don't think there's any surprises that are coming out. So for people who question my judgment, I'll just give you an indicator here. First segment we did, the Packers moving time, jammed phone lines, couldn't get through. My producer grew, answering phone calls right and left. The second segment we did, talking about the, the restaurant, jammed phone lines, people could not get through. No calls on interest in impeachment. Let me share with you some of the texts that are coming in. Jeff, this is a complete joke and a complete waste of money. My interest is minus one million. Jeff, my interest level in, let's see, um, Jeff, uh, dot, 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 does negative three count? No interest. We've been down this road already with Russia. Jeff, negative 100. Please move on to another topic. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff, uh, let's see, two, this is a nothing burger. Um, let's see, um, let's see, Uh, my interest is 10. I'm extremely interested in the fact that Democrats have already banked on Biden being the nominee before the primary. The entire, entire proceeding predicates itself on Joe Biden being the direct competitor politically to Donald Trump. Um, let's see, Brian in West Bend says, my interest is, is a one. Um, okay, I'm, I'm just saying that I, I think, again, I understand. If, if you believe Donald Trump is corrupt and venal, you've been wanting to get him out of office for the last three years. All right, I, I get that. You'll never be talked out of that position. I understand where that comes from. And if you're one of those folks, I understand where you are coming from. But at the same time, all right, impeachment is, is this huge step. And we don't impeach somebody because... They, they, they didn't follow the best practice. We don't impeach somebody because they're 
imposing their judgment as a president over, you know, other people's. We don't impeach a president because they're they're perhaps a train wreck and they're sort of like wreck it Ralph when it comes to different policies. I mean, that's that's not why we impeach people. And I continue to believe that absent some dramatic revelation that's not out there, all this is is kind of like the show trial where you tried in a bunch of people who work for the government who are going to say, well, we, we just thought Trump's policy in the Ukraine was wrong and we were troubled by this and we, we didn't think you should have been holding up money. And at the end of the day, they didn't hold up money. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Bob. Good. What do you think? Oh, I'm about a 6.5 on your, uh, <laughs> on your sure. meter. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't think he'll be convicted. Uh, I, and just just so that you know, I have terminal Trump derangement syndrome. It's far beyond <laughs> Got Trump it. derangement syndrome. Got I, it. I, I'm, I'm eating up with it. I, if his lips are moving, hmm. Got it. I, you think he's lying. Got it. Understood. I think he is, Jeff. <laughs> I understand. You're, you're one of those guys that thinks he's the Antichrist. And I understand that you're out there. I And that that's fine. And, and you're not going to be talked out of that position. I understand. I will not try. <laughs> nope. And my, my conscience would not permit me to vote for either one. Either Hillary or Donald. Right. I voted for a fellow by the name of Evan, Evan McMullen, right. uh, a, a write-in candidate that was, as my right. friends told me, a wasted vote. But well, let me ask you this: Do you? I mean, do you think this impeachment thing is going anywhere? I mean, or I mean, my my belief is. Four or five months from now, we're going to go through all this thing, and we're going to be right where we are today. And, and nobody's nobody's mind is going to be changed one way or the other. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're correct. I don't think it's good for the country. I mean, I, yeah. it's not I, it's not what I think. It's not good for the country. Right. Well, and again, I, I mean, thanks for calling. And, and, and see, and I, I understand that. And it's one of the frustrations I have doing my job. I'm not going to try to talk. Pe- you you cannot you can you cannot talk people out of things. You you can. Right now, we, we can preach to the choir, and I understand there's some radio hosts who think that Donald Trump can do nothing wrong, and it's three hours a day of, of just Trump is the greatest thing since canned beer, and there's other people who think that Donald Trump can do nothing absolutely correct, and, and that's all they want to hear. There's no nuance. Uh, but for example, here's a text. Jeff, Trump has proven time and time again that he is a liar and the most corrupt president in U.S. history, to which I would say, okay, even if you accept that, that doesn't it, that doesn't necessarily translate into that doesn't translate into impeachment because you don't like his policies because you don't think he's honest and trustworthy because you think he panders because you think he is erratic okay that's that's all well and good but you can say that about a lot of politicians now maybe trump carries it to another level and i understand why people don't like the way he sends out his tweets. I understand the fact that people don't like the policies, but but we don't remove we don't remove elected officials. I keep saying over and over again, elections have consequences and impeachment is something that you do as a last resort. When I mean, do do I think Richard Nixon should have been impeached and convicted and removed from office if he hadn't resigned? Absolutely. Because here you have somebody that knowingly and intentionally participated in the cover-up of of a burglary. The Trump stuff, I, I just don't think the American people are there yet. Sam in Milwaukee. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to make a note here that my interest is, is low only because this inquiry has absolutely no Republican backing. 
So regardless of what the House ends up coming up with, the Senate's going to just block this and it's going to be a complete nothing burger in the end. So a lot of this is just a media circus to try and disperse more so the president, but it's not going to result in anything of meaningful value to the country, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and, and I think one of the things, just like I firmly believed in the mid, in, believe in the mid nineties that the the effort to remove Bill Clinton over the Monica Lewinsky thing, I, I think there was a backlash because the American people weren't there. I, I think unless the Democrats can come up with something dramatic, some new piece of evidence, some hey we've got the tapes or whatever that, that's going to you know really catch capture America's interest, I, I think what's going to happen is yeah they've got the TV cameras there today, but are, are the TV cameras going to be there tomorrow? Are they going to be there the next day? And what are the ratings going to be like? I just don't think the American people are dialed into this. So I agree. Yeah, you know, th- thanks for calling. And, and you can argue, well, they should be. You should be outraged about this. Oh, that you're a former prosecutor. You'd be terrible. Look, I, I mean, I agree, like I say, with Nikki Haley. I, th- President Trump, I, I think, handled that particular call poorly. All right. And, and actually, I do agree with her as well that I, I don't think as any president, as a matter of policy, should be asking a foreign country to investigate an American. I, I agree with all that. But at the same time, all right, what, what happened here? Ukraine got the aid. There was never any sort of investigation. All right, where is the there there? We're back in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Shorewood High School. It's kind of a hot mess. And this is candidly the, the last thing the school needed. You you recall Shorewood High School has been embroiled. It seems like they're just they they uh, pinball from one controversy to another. This is the one where they they had the, they were going to do the performance of um, To Kill a Mockingbird, and then they had to cancel that because some people were offended that there was a word that was you know used in the play um, that that people would find offensive. So we couldn't do that. Then you had the the longtime gym teacher who was essentially forced to retire because she was following the curriculum and and gave out class assignments to kids saying you know we want you to you know you know trace your heritage and find um you know games that were played by your ancestors and that that became interpreted as being oh she was taking people and you know making them play slave games and stuff like that completely ridiculous so you you know the, the school has been embroiled in one problem after another and now you have this story not only the high school, but all schools in the Shorewood School District are closed today. All right, now here's why they are closed, if you have not been following the story. Um, there, there's a kid, a Shorewood High School student, who has been arrested. Apparently what happened is about 10 o'clock yesterday, a student reported that they believed that another student had created a quote-unquote hit list presumably names of students that, you know, he wanted to kill or she wanted to kill. They began an investigation. They called the Shorewood Police Department, and they they were able to quickly confirm yesterday that the student had indeed created a hit list. The student was arrested. The student was found to be in possession of a loaded magazine, um, but no gun in his possession, no gun anywhere on campus. The student was arrested. All right. So, okay, this is yesterday. 
officials at Shorewood High School then said, well, um, significant consequences are, are going to be imposed to the student to assure the safety of all of our other students, to which I would say, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious as to what significant consequences mean, because obviously if you prepare a hit list, you know, whether you intend to act out on it or not, it tells me that you are a deeply disturbed individual and things need to happen. All right. So here, here's the deal. They say the safety of our students and staff members remains our top priority. Shorewood School District takes this situation very seriously. We applaud the student who reported the concern. We encourage any student with safety concerns to always talk to a trusted adult. Um, okay, so all right, fine. At approximately 2.45 a.m. this morning, Shorewood Police told school officials that they were following up on additional information related to the incident. The FBI informed Shorewood police that they had received a tip that there is the possible involvement of other individuals related to this situation. 4.30 this morning, school district received an indication from the Shorewood police that the validity of the tip had not been determined and that they would not be able to resolve this until sometime today. Then, based on all this, they went ahead and made the decision to close all the schools, not just the, the high school. They said, from our communication with the Shorewood police, we do not have any reason to believe that a threat exists at Shorewood uh, High School, Lake Bluff, or Atwater. However, we feel strongly that we need to have a resolution of this matter prior to bringing students and staff back into any of our schools. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did school officials get it right by closing school? Did they get it right by closing the high school? I mean, the, the person that, you know, prepared this hit list was already in custody. There was some other tip that they were investigating. Nothing was ever directed at any of the other schools in Shorewood, and yet those were closed as well. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was it an overreaction to close all of the schools in Shorewood? And I would argue yes. I'll explain why, but I'm curious as to your reaction. 414-799-1620. If you want to close the high school, I understand that. Maybe, you know, two or three or four or five years ago, I would have argued that that would have been an overreaction because you've got the kid, all right? But I also have been doing this long enough to understand what happens. When there's any sort of doubt at all, number one, you err on the side of caution, and number two, parents, they don't send their kids to school anyways. I mean, if they had had school today with these revelations, my guess is 70 to 80% of the parents of kids at Shorewood High School would have kept their kids home because they don't want to expose their kids to danger. So I get why the high school does what it does, because if they didn't, like I said, kids wouldn't be showing up anyhow. But as far as the rest of the schools in the area, no hit list directed there, no evidence of any threats at all, do you need to close all the schools in the district? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, we discuss in just a minute. I mean, if you've got a third grader at, you know, one of the elementary schools, would parents have held that kid home because of this incident, which was pretty much resolved at the high school? All right, did they overreact? 414-799-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
414-799-1620. Daniel in Milwaukee. Hi, Daniel. Hi, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Did they overreact by closing all the schools, or did they overreact by closing any of the schools? Well, see, we have a time in our history right now, not only just in Milwaukee, but across the nation, that we've had this heightened security alert. And for them to close all the schools is not unreasonable. There's a few bases on that. One, they had a quote-unquote hint of a probability of there being other people involved. Now, due to them being children, they are protected under HIPAA law. And with that being said, if that age group would have been potentially not just in the high schools, but could have ventured into, let's say, the higher grades of middle schools, yeah, it would be probable for them to close all the school down just in case of the venture of it being not just in the high school. Yeah, but of course, they, they say that they have no evidence. I mean, in their statement, they said there was no evidence of, it, of a threat at, at the other schools that they had. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty clear that this was high school it was a high school kid and maybe he was involved with other high school I'm, I'm assuming it's a he he was involved with other why do i assume it's a he but i'm pretty sure it is you know he right. he, he he was involved i i guess there might have been some other kids involved i i'm i'm reasonably sure from their statement that that there's no evidence at all of a threat or people involved at the middle schools if that premise is correct and, and maybe i'm wrong but if well, that true. premise I mean, is correct if we look at it though if if these people or children that are involved in this situation, let's just say they have uh, a sibling or a vet mm-hmm. that goes to school with them that is of a younger era. I mean, that can transpire into a lot of different things. I mean, we've had all these heightened alerts over all the years between Columbine and everything else. I think it would be a safe protocol just to say, because of the incidences that we've had, mm-hmm. to let's be more safe than sorry. Okay, how, fair enough. How, let me ask, how far do we carry this? Let's say that it's a larger school system than than Shorewood. Let's say it's MPS, and you get a similar, exact same story happens at, you know, one of the MPS high schools. Rufus King, pick pick one, pick one. Do you close all the MPS high schools? Do you close the whole school district? We were to look at this, and we, we can't play our basis off of being, you know, prejudiced or anything like that. But if we were to look at the demographics of how Milwaukee schools are run versus the suburbial schools that are run, Milwaukee in itself doesn't necessarily have as much resources as some of the suburbials do. Obviously, we had our own private security in a lot of the schools. Now Mm -hmm. we have dress codes that kind of help a lot of certain curbed of attitudes and uh, what do you want to call it, displacement of uh, um, well, let's go back. But let's like go back that. to my fundamental. I mean, how far? How far do you carry it? Same fact situation happens at a at an MPS high school. Do we close all the other MPS high schools? Do we close all the MPS grade schools? I think within policy and procedure, it does cross a different venue from what the school system provides. Okay. So we, we could say yes, we could do that, but I think there would have to be a little bit more in-depth investigation, a little bit more dedication to exactly resolving the specifics. Obviously, because we are dealing with children, their rights are protected, and we cannot it, just expose, you know, mm-hmm. personal information. Well, right. Okay, got it. Thanks. I mean, I guess I, I, I understand. Like I said, five years ago, I would have said 
that I think it is an overreaction to have closed Shorewood High School. And the argument I would have made five years ago is that, you know, after they found this, my guess is that Shorewood High School, if they had school today, would have been the safest public school in the state of Wisconsin because you would have undoubtedly, you would have had a security presence. You would have had a police presence. You would have been to, and I'm not implying that they're not prepared for, for threats on a daily basis, but that, that would have, they would have been a DEFCON, you know, 10. They, they would have they would have been there uh, and I would have argued five years ago like I say that okay you, you just go ahead and you have school well I I realize and I've seen as like I said I've seen how this plays out over the years parents make the decision we we you know we don't want to take any chances at all so they keep their kids home and, and I mean seen that and I get it that's the parents decision so I I've reluctantly come to the conclusion that, yeah, when you have these things, better safe than sorry. And even though, like I say, that school, if they had school today, would have been the safest place in the state of Wisconsin. Okay, you you close it. I I get it because the parents don't want to expose their kids. Closing the whole district, though, absent any sort of evidence that, you know, some some other school was targeted or that people involved in some of these schools were, were targeted. To me, that's where I think kind of the overreaction comes in. I mean, I, I'm trying to picture whether or not a parent, even in the People's Republic of Shorewood, you hear that, oh, some, some kid had prepared a hit list at the high school and they got a tip saying that they've, they've got him but maybe there was, you know, some of his friends or something that were involved in this. Would that mean that you would take that step of saying, gee, I'm afraid for my third grader at a completely different school, so I'm not going to send them there? And, and I guess that's the, the leap of faith that I have trouble making. Now, I mean, it's a day of school. I get the whole argument that uh, yeah, better safe than sorry. And I also understand the, the notion that school districts are between a rock and a hard place on this one because if they cancel school, they get criticized, and if they don't cancel school, they get criticized as well. I I guess here I understand why they closed the high school. Absent something directly tying these threats to other schools, uh, tougher to say. Also, I mean, it's not like everything's on the same campus. I mean, there are some... Uh, Pewaukee is one where all the schools are, are essentially at the same campus. You know, you got different buildings. That's not even the, the case here. Anyhow, Shorewood has decided to do this. Hopefully they will have school open. And by the way, when they put out this press release saying that they intend to penalize the, the kid who was responsible for this, my comment would be, well, I, I hope so. They say the school has imposed significant consequences on the student. I would say, yeah, that that's probably a good thing because, yeah, you're making hit lists of your classmates. Yeah, there, there should be significant consequences for that. And candidly, I hope the criminal justice system gets involved as well. It's not just a school matter. You've got to come down on people who do this like a ton of bricks. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, be honest now. Has there been a point in time in your life where you watched soap operas? Were you ever a soap opera gal? Uh, I would say I grew up on them. My mom watched them, so I would always just 
watch them, especially if you were home from school on any particular day. <laughs> but but you, had, but you you don't you weren't you don't remember really being like wrapped up in a particular soap no, opera and you'd run home to see it. No, and stuff. not okay. really. I mean, in college we would watch Days of Our Lives a little bit, but okay. yeah, that's when, about it. When I was in law school. General Hospital was was the thing because it was on like at two o'clock in the afternoon our time, mm-hmm. and and what would happen is they down in the the, the Marquette University Law School is much better, much nicer, much bigger. Um, but there, there was just like one room where where everybody would hang out, and there were some vending machines and stuff, and they had a TV, and it was always on General Hospital, and so <laughs> yeah. you know everybody that happened to be there, you know, would, would sit and they'd watch General Hospital, yeah. and that was kind of the heyday of General Hospital. It was the Luke and Laura days where you had, you know, a, that was a, a big a, a deal, big, the big back wedding, then. right? That was yeah. that was it. So. I quickly, um, I quickly lost interest in that. But my grandmother, my grandmother lived and died for various soap operas, which she would call them her stories. I'm, oh, I'm, that's so cute! Right, we're going to watch. I we're going to watch that. their stories. And th- this is something that if if you are above a certain age, you, you probably just don't. If you're below a certain age, you probably don't get this. But there was a time when there were, I mean, soap operas dominated daytime oh, TV. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, dominated daytime TV, and you know, each of the major networks had several of them. And in part because people were fascinated by them and they watched them. In part because they were cheap to make, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, now there are only four soap operas left. That's incredible. My mom is a huge fan. She, even to this day, I mean, she's retired and stuff, but she loves Young and the Restless. Right. She watches that every single day. That is the highest rate. There's four soap operas that are left. Young and Restless, which is on CBS, that's the highest rated soap opera mm-hmm. right now. Um, then there's The Bold and the, the Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> also on, on CBS. CBS. <laughs> um, and that's the second highest one. Mm-hmm. General Hospital is third. Um, boy, that's really fallen. And Days of Our Lives um, on, is fourth. That's the, the lowest rated one. And, of course, this brings us to our, our next topic because – and there's only one other lead-in for this. People who watch their stories are incredibly passionate about this. I sent out a tweet about this last night because um, – and you can follow me at, at Jeff, on Twitter at JeffWagner620. You, you need to understand that when – when events preempt soap operas, like right now on today's TMJ4, uh, well, last hour from 1 to 2, you typically are days of our lives. All right, it was preempted today because they're, they're in wall-to-wall coverage on these impeachment hearing things. All right, I have no doubt that the poor ladies at the switchboard were bombarded by calls with people who are hacked off that you know their their stories are are being preempted. The reason I say that definitively is I have been here for twenty two years. This always happens whenever days of our lives are preempted. You you just you want to send flowers and candy up to the people at the reception desk because they're getting true story, Melissa. September eleventh, nine eleven, planes flying into towers. We're we're of course in wall to wall news coverage, and people are calling by the dozens. Complaining that they're not running days of our lives. <laughs> just, I, I, you know, and, and you wonder say, if they look back and think, oh, maybe that wasn't the right decision. No, <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm sure these you know, people were think, thinking, oh, they, why did I call? That they, was, yeah. They preempted the story. Yeah, yeah they, they preempted my story. So, in, in any event, that is kind of the background. Well, here's what I want to discuss with you. The, the breaking news yesterday was that it appears the days of our lives is no more. 
uh, the company that runs, that, that produces Days of Our Lives, has canceled the contracts of all the cast members. So essentially all the actors have been fired. They, they have been let go. Now, they're not saying officially that the show has been canceled because the way these soap operas work is is they film them months ahead of time, and apparently they have like six, seven, eight months worth of shows in the can that, that are already done. So at least for the moment, they've canceled all the contracts. The actor, the show's production is on hiatus, and they're, they're going to burn off the, the shows that they have already made. But it appears, for all intents and purposes, for example, if you fire all the actors and the performers, let them go from their contracts, I mean, it, it, they're, they're going to be off doing other stuff. So even though they haven't announced that they have formally canceled Days of Our Lives, it appears quite likely that Days of Our Lives has indeed been canceled. So... Uh, this means that now they're going to be down to three soap operas. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is an, the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I have a why question that I would like to discuss with you, because like I say, soap operas have been a huge part of television for for decades. Days of Our Lives is the longest-running soap opera. Days of Our Lives debuted in 1965, Lyndon Johnson was the president. We were really just starting our involvement in Vietnam. That's when Days of Our Lives debuted. So this is something that's been on the air for you know over 50 years, and now it appears that this is it. There's not going to be any new shows produced. I mean, maybe people change their mind, but we're, we're, we will be down to three soap operas, and you know who knows. You know, who knows how long these other ones will last? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. What, what happened to soap operas? Why is it that you think people just aren't watching? I mean, I mean, understand why they're, they're canceling them. They're canceling because people are, are not watching them. And they're finding other forms of entertainment. But my question is, is why? If you were somebody that grew up on soap operas, like a lot of people did, why did you stop watching them? Do you continue to watch them? Um, what's going on here? What has changed in our tastes? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And for those of you who might be Days of Our Lives fans, are, are you... How do you feel about the news that uh, this show might be over? Not today, not tomorrow, but once they burn off all the shows that they've already produced. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the demise of soap operas we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff, when I was a kid, the only thing on daytime TV were soap operas and game shows. I didn't think either one was worth watching. Today, everyone has cable or streaming services with better choices. I'm surprised soaps lasted this long. 
I say good riddance. Huh. Deb says, say it ain't so. I was devastated when all my children and General Hospital went off the air. Now, General Hospital is still on the air. Uh, there isn't much else good on at that time of the day. This really makes me sad. Jeff, I grew up on Days of Our Lives. It was a common ground of conversation with my mom and constant and continued when she was elderly. And not a, and as a side note, um, I'm actually named after a character on Days. Jennifer Horton. Ha! How about that? Every blue moon I catch an episode. Um, it's so overdramatic and storylines don't move fast enough. Uh, well, I think that's part of the thing, too. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike in West Bend. Mike, you're first. Hello. Hey there, Jeff. Good Hi, afternoon. Yes, sir. What do you think? I, you know, it's the changing dynamic. When, the, when those soap operas first started coming on in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, let's be honest. Women were the ones who were driving uh, the viewership there. And, you know, women have taken to the workforce, and there's not as many stay-at-home mothers as there used to be, mm-hmm. and that's a real positive thing. And these drama soap operas don't hold a candle to the Hallmark shows that are positive <laughs> and reinforcing of family, nature, and values. And I'm, I, I know from firsthand, my wife, loves the Hallmark show, yep. and she never watch uh, a daytime soap opera. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, Mike, I think you're on a couple different things, but in, in particular your point about how we have more people that are working outside the homes. And, and let's face it, the, these soap operas take a commitment of, of time. You know, I mean, it, it used to be people would build their days around, okay, gee, this is what's coming on at 1 o'clock or at 2 o'clock or at noon or, or whatever. Well, I, I think people are just so busy nowadays that you're not going to do that and if you if you try to dvr them you quickly become you know weeks and weeks behind and you never catch up on that that's so true that everyone is busy bodies just try to get somebody to respond to a birthday party invite or something there they have commitment issues and right. you know they have so much going on so i appreciate that they just don't take the time to watch those sorts of shows anymore right thanks for calling. i mean i look and, and just times and tastes change you know and I, i'm glad somebody and one of the texters mentioned the whole thing of game shows i mean i can remember when i was a kid growing up that's what daytime tv was it was game shows and it was soap operas and you know you'd and nowadays, I mean, I don't know that there's any game shows that are on during the day. There's a couple that are syndicated at night, but you just don't have that that's there anymore. And what's it replaced by? Well, it's replaced by, you know, news programming. It's produced by, it's like shows like The View. It's it's things like that. Programming that is is cheap to produce. And I, I don't mean cheap as far as quality. I mean, it's it, it's it's cheaper. The, the scripted dramas, for example, they, they, they cost money to produce. You've got to hire the actors, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, you, know, you, you can do a new show with a couple talking head people or like the syndicated programming, the, the talk shows with uh, you know the, the various personalities, Ellen and the like. They're, they're, they're cheaper to produce as a general rule. And I, I think people pay more attention to them, plus the idea is if you miss one of the Ellen shows, and this isn't a pick on Ellen, I actually think she does a pretty good job, okay, well, it's not the end of the world, you know, the, the next show is going to have different guests and things of the like, you know, the, the soap operas, you have to have that commitment, and I think people don't have that commitment of time anymore. Let's talk to Todd in Milwaukee. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff, how are you? Hi, Todd. What do you uh, think? Well, I think social media, the internet, um, and reality TV has taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't sit in front of their TVs as much anymore. And when they do, they're stuck on reality TV. It's a little more, 
it's a little easier to swallow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just, just look at what happened. You talk about reality TV and stuff. Just look at nighttime programming. I mean, remember when, when, when Survivor was a big deal? I understand Survivor's still on, but you remember when Survivor came on? And then you had Survivor, and then that led to a whole bunch of, like, kind of spin-off shows. And when American Idol was really hot, that left these things, and, and a lot of the scripted dramas got pushed aside. Nowadays, do they have them? Yeah, but a lot of those you find on, on cable and stuff like that in limited runs. It's, it's just in many respects changing times and changing taste yeah so, i agree no th- thanks to call but it, but it is it is the end of an era and, and you've seen a, a lot of these shows that i mean back in the younger days i mean one life to live that was that was this incredibly popular show that was i think at some point in time it was it, it used to be as i recall as I recall, you had days of our lives that was on at noon now it's on at one o'clock on NBC then you had one life to live. Then you had General Hospital. It was just, and, and that's what people built their their days around. Lori in Greenfield. Hi, Lori. You're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I love soap operas. <laughs> I've been watching Days of Our Lives since I was five years old, and I'm fifty eight. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, are you are you, are you taking this news bad that there this might be the end of the line for Days of Our Lives? Yes, I am. I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Explain to me what. What is it about it that you like so much that you have been a loyal viewer for, for decades? Well, it started out as the doctors of the hour show with right. all the Hortons. Then it went into the days of our lives for an hour. And like I said, it's been since I was five years old, I can follow the storyline all the way back <laughs> to the original day. I mean, that's what I like about it. It might be kind of mushy and sobby and uh-huh. other things that sometimes it's somewhat like a hallmark, but yet it almost feels like it's a real life that you're listening to. Well, I, I will tell you this. To my right, in the studio, we have all these different TV screens, and one is always set to Channel 4. That's just, It's always set there. And every once in a while, I will look over my shoulder when Days of Our Lives are on, and I will say, it, it seems like every time I look over, there, there's people in bed. <laughs> it's just like It seems like almost yeah. always there's somebody in bed. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, but- these folks spent a lot of time in the sack. Isn't that also proper, though? Uh, it's, yeah, well, I, get, I, I have no frame of reference, but yeah. So, no, but that's, that's good. So you, th- thanks to call, Lori. I, I appreciate it. And again, I, I, I get it that there's this taste. Uh, Jeff, I used to watch As the World Turns and The Guiding Light. Yeah, those those were, were big ones as well. And now that Lori mentions that, that's right, Days of Our Lives started as, as the doctors. And it, it's just... It was this amazing art form, and you know, you had all these people that you know made great careers as soap opera, you know, stars. And what's uh, oh guy? He's the guy that the singer, um, Jesse's girl, Rick Springfield. You know, he was. I'm embarrassed. I know this, but he was he was on General Hospital for a couple of years, and you know, he then that's I get these calls. You know, whenever he comes to town, people who I've heard from for years call me up and say, you "Got any contacts to get tickets to the Rick Springfield show?" And I say, "Oh, nice to talk to you. I haven't heard from you in six years." Mike on the Northwest Side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, those guys had a good point that uh, it takes a lot of time to watch these soap operas because they get so involved in them. But I think the my thought. And I don't know if I'm right or not, but baby boomers have like kind of lost that feeling for tying up so much time in this, and they're more into game shows and uh, doing other stuff. It's just kind of yeah. like uh, they're they don't want it to put the time in anymore. Well, they well, yeah. To do. Well, right. And thanks for calling. And, and look, and, and we've got twenty four seven news cycles. 
and everybody's walking around with the, the smartphones, etc. And I understand that. I mean, the, the commitment of time, if, especially if, if you're working, even if you're even if you're not working outside the house, that the commitment of of time that you have to have to these things. I mean, I there's TV shows that are on once a week that I like that I want to watch, and I have to remind myself, oh gosh, I if I'm not home, I've got to DVR these things so I can end up watching that. It, it's just I, I think our our culture has changed. Our tastes have changed, and soap operas really haven't changed with them. And, I mean, I don't know what the ultimate effective days of our lives is. They, they say it's not canceled, but when you fire all the actors or release them from their contracts and say we're not making new episodes for seeable future, well, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Three soap operas traditionally left, and Days still has another six months to run or so. So enjoy it while it's here. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Speaking of great cities of Europe, have you, have you ever been to Venice? No. No. I, 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 um, Venice, I, I will this. People love Venice. I'm not one of them. I mean, I, I went there once, and it was, I just, I kind of thought it was dirty and hard to get around in. And, and I went there when there wasn't flooding. You know, when it, I, actually, I went there where you could actually walk around, and you didn't have to worry about it being, you know, underwater. The thing about Venice is almost nobody lives in Venice. It's so expensive. Venice is kind of like exclusively tourist stuff, restaurants and shops and hotels. And, and most of the people that work there live outside of Venice, and they come in in the morning. I, I bring this up because... You know, Venice is experiencing like all-time record flooding. I was looking at some of the pictures, and it's it it's darn near underwater, and it's underwater a, a lot. But water levels reached seventy-four inches Tuesday. So, I mean, you're just just think about that. That's the second highest level ever recorded in in the city, and it's causing millions of euros worth of, of damage. Part of the thing is, over the years, they, they had built these, these barriers at a, a huge cost to try to limit or minimize the flooding. Well, they never completed them, and they haven't implemented them because you had some of the environmentalists who were complaining that, oh, if we do this, it's going to disturb some, disturb some of the ecosystem. And so, okay, the effect is now you're getting all this massive flooding. But I, I always say that if, if you want to see Venice you should probably put it on your list quickly because I, I don't know how much longer the city is. I don't know how much longer the city is not going to be, under, but it's going to be before the city is not underwater. I mean, five years, 10 years, 20 years, don't know. But um, all sorts of record flooding and just an absolute mess. All right. I have been waiting all day to discuss this topic with you because it, it brings up a, a number of, of issues. And if you are a pet owner in general and a dog owner in particular, it, it this will probably resonate with you. I think Waukesha is wrong. Let, let me say this at the beginning. There is a family, and the family has a big dog. His name is George. He's a 120-pound Great Dane, 120 pounds. My Pomeranian is five and a half pounds, okay? My Pomeranian would be a snack for, for George. Waukesha County has has an ordinance that regulates dangerous dogs. All right, we understand that. And if a dog is determined to be determined to be a quote unquote dangerous dog, then what happens is um, that the family can be told that the dog has to be moved outside of the county, which is an interesting thing. You've got a dangerous animal here; you you can just move it to somebody else's county, or the dog has to be euthanized. The dog has to be 
put down. Okay, so Waukesha has decided that George is a dangerous dog that needs to be put down. Now, interestingly, this thing has been going on for more than a year. What did George do? Well, George, apparently, there were two incidents. Um, And again, these are, this goes back, you know, over a year. What's happened is, in the first instance, um, George apparently um, scratched, George scratched uh, one of his owners. So you had that, and the because George is big, you know, you had the situation where, um, okay, what happens is, you know, George, you know, he causes an injury. So, I mean, here's the deal. Then the second instance is there's a guy coming up, turns out to be like a nephew of the folks that own George. He comes up to the door, and that uh, George starts acting up, and what ends up happening is that as George is acting up, he ends up, um, biting, you know, his owner. So first time dog bites his owner when George was startled by the guy who approached the door. Um, they needed stitches. All right. Second instance, George inadvertently scratched a toddler of the owner's niece when she was visiting the home. The injury also required stitches. It occurred when George jumped up as bees as the lady's niece was holding the toddler. So one one instance, George gets kind of agitated as somebody comes up to the door he bites his owner other one is he's jumping up and he happens to uh, again make contact with this toddler and it it causes stitches george is 120 pounds so i mean my my little dog jumps up on your leg and nothing's going to happen george is 120 pounds and my i don't think he did it out of violence he did it because he's playing but the effect is you know he he ends up hurting the toddler toddler needs stitches county is saying this cat qualifies as a dangerous dog the family is fighting this and they've been fighting it for a year it's, you know, in the interim, everything is on hold. They're keeping the dog. They say, hey, we, we can't really relocate him because he's 120 pounds, and there's not too many people we know that could take a dog that, that, that is that big. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I am the guy who is very, very sensitive to dangerous dogs. I, I'm I'm the guy that's tuned in to some of these breeds where you have the particular breed that latches on and, and kills the child, etc., etc., or mangles the people. So I'm sensitive to this. And as a general rule, I'm one of these guys who's comfortable with these dangerous dog ordinances. In this particular situation, though, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, okay, you have one thing where you've got this giant dog. He's kind of jumping up, presumably because he's excited. He's got his paws. He clips a, a toddler that's in somebody else's arms. And because he's so big, it, it's a minor injury that requires a couple stitches. Second instance is he gets excited when somebody comes to the door. And he's kind of wrestling a little bit with the owner. And he bites the owner. And ultimately, she needs a couple stitches. To me, this doesn't seem like the type of dangerous dog that needs to be put down. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. A number of people are texting in asking, how old is George the Great Dane? He's three. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Karen in Muskego. Hi, Karen. Hey, Jeff. What do you think? They're trying to, they say the dog's got to go. It's a dangerous dog. 
this hits home with me. Um, we owned an English Mastiff, um, and he ranged between 180 and 200 pounds. Wow. Um, <laughs> We took obedience very seriously. Uh, he was in a very um, intense obedience program because when you have a large breed, behavior for that dog is different than small dogs, like you were saying about. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, right, sure. My, my, my dog jumps up and stuff. Okay, well, yep. y- you know, or, or, or my dog nips me because we're playing with the ball or whatever. It, it doesn't break the skin. 120-pound dog, it's a much different yeah. result. Sure, yeah. Um, and I feel really bad because, I, you know, knowing what I know about Danes is they aren't an aggressive dog they are excitable um and i really feel bad for the family having to like make this decision and in general i just give them credit for fighting what they believe like if they genuinely thought this dog was dangerous i don't yeah. think they would be putting it out there as well often. like i'm i'm trying to picture like like the second incident okay so you got a woman that's that's hold and that's holding yeah. it's uh, holding a toddler the dog is excited the dog jumps up and my guess is it it's swiping with its paws like they do when it jumps up and it it clips the kid and 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 cuts him i mean it, it's not like the dog I don't think started out trying to do it. The dog is being playful, and because it's a 120-pound dog and a little child, okay, you, you, you get that scratch or cut, and you need a stitch. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm not minimizing it, but it doesn't sound like this vicious dog that's attacking the child. We were always more worried about our mastiff smothering a child. Yeah. My nephew is you know, sitting on its lap on my two-year-old nephew's lap. Yeah. Right, um, right. No, thanks for calling. No, I, I got, and then, see, that's, and again, I, I, I come at this from the perspective. I understand. I'm the guy that, like lots of people who own pit bulls, get really upset with me when I go off on my pit bull tirades from time to time. But in this particular case, if the evidence is you've got to have caused severe bodily injury on multiple occasions, that this just doesn't sound like it. To me, this just sounds like kind of a playful big old dog. But ultimately, again, if he's going to jump up, you scratch a toddler, I could see how that could cause a stitch. Debbie in Colgate. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, um, I just wanted to know what county is that? Milwaukee? Waukesha. Waukesha. Waukesha wants to do this? Yep. I just think it's the most terrible thing ever. First of all, great things are very docile. Yep. How, and yes, I agree with the other caller who said they commend the family that's fighting this and not just letting them get away with something so in my eyes, ridiculous if it's exactly like you said it is. Right. Yeah, I mean, Dog. Well, right. Thanks for and seeing it. Look, and I, I understand. I mean, vicious dogs to me, and, and I, I applaud these ordinances. You've got to protect the community. And if you have a dog that is attacking other people or other animals or whatever, especially if it's a 120-pound Great Dane, well, I understand that the community has an interest in saying, look, we, we've got to protect ourselves. But, but I mean, I, I look at this and I'm thinking, okay, what is the evidence that this is a, a dog attack? I mean, an excited dog, big dog jumps up and scratches a kid. All right, that, that to me, that's a playful dog, and, and maybe you argue the dog should have better training and the dog shouldn't jump up, but that's kind of what, what dogs do. To me, this was just like an accident happening as opposed to a vicious animal. Molly in Oconomowoc. Molly, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Molly. This is of particular interest to me. I'm a professional dog trainer by trade. Mm-hmm. I'm a force-free, pain-free, science-based um, dog trainer. So I have some some specific thoughts about the way, not maybe you specifically, but the media in general is handling it. I think that they're they're instead of objectively looking at what behavior was reported, they're they're making assumptions about what the behavior meant. Like, oh well, the dog dog is jumping up. Oh, that means he's excited. Maybe not. I think the family is the only person who could really report that, along with perhaps the person who. 
Second incident. Right. Well, and, and the family and the family the family didn't report either of these. I, I I don't know how authorities found out about it, other than to say my guess is they go to an emergency room or something. You know, they get the stitches, and the doctor says, "How did this happen?" And well, the dog right. dog scratched me. That would be my. I don't know, but that's my guess. Yes, and my guess is once it's reported, in fact, this I'm familiar with this process a little bit, maybe not Rockshaw County, but if you do report an injury in the ER as a dog bite. It's mandated that the police be called. Right. So right. that's likely how it ended up being reported. But um, I, I think that, you know, we've got to objectively look at, was the dog stressed? I mean, what were, I mean, this is what I do every day, right? Like, you know, eyes, ears, energy forward, energy back, where's his mouth? What's just generally happening here objectively? Is the dog under stress? Are they anxious? Are they right. fearful? Are they playful? You know, that's something that the average dog owner can't necessarily identify. And then they, when behavior happens, most people like to say, oh, well, this is what it meant. My dog likes, my dog thinks. That's not always true. And I know when it's a dog, and there's a lot of emotion and love and sure. all of that attached to it. We have a tendency to, to look at the bath. Got it. I, the owners are wrong. I don't know the full story. Right. Got it. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I, and I, I, look, and I appreciate you have to look at that. At the same time, these incidents happened now more than a year ago. I mean, this has been dragging on the legal process, and and it while it would seem to me that every day that goes by is more of a demonstration when there's not a repeat of this. It's more of a demonstration that this really isn't a a dangerous dog. I mean, I I just think these are kind of big misunderstandings. The the dog, okay, it it the, the story that they tell is it jumped up and it scratched the the taught the toddler who was being held by the the niece or, or whatever okay i i get all that you go to the emergency room you report undoubtedly you know why this happened i i just i don't think you can assume i see what i think happened here is that i mean it's a big dog and when big dogs do these things this type of stuff you know happened i i uh, a lot of people want to weigh in. I'm kind of up against the clock. I, I guess to me, I, I think it's more than reasonable to say, look, um, you know, you as a dog owner, you know, you have a responsibility to keep your dog under control. And, you know, maybe that means more obedience training or something like that. I'm just saying that, you know, based on at least what is part of the public record to euthanize the dog under these circumstances seems like a, a huge overreaction in part because this could happen to anybody i think who owns a large dog now this is coming from the perspective of somebody who has a little dog but you know i mean i i could see any big dog getting excited or whatever and you know you have that that nip or whatever and and it ends up you end up in the emergency room with a couple stitches that doesn't mean you have a dangerous dog all right when we come back we're going to find out what john and melissa have on their minds on wisconsin's afternoon news